This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Robert Perry's work for the Associated Press helped expose the Iran-Contra scandal and included the first story about Oliver North's secret network and the first story about Nicaraguan Contra cocaine trafficking. In 1995, Perry established Consortium News as an online e-zine dedicated to investigative journalism. Consortium News published groundbreaking articles on Ronald Reagan's October surprise, the war in Kosovo, and the impeachment process against President Clinton. Perry's latest book, Secrecy and Privilege, Rise of the Bush Dynasty from Watergate to Iraq, explores the mystery of how the two George Bushes rose to the pinnacle of American political power and what the rise of their dynasty has meant to the nation's democratic principles. Robert Perry, welcome to Weekly Signals. Well, thanks for having me. And how are you doing today? Oh, all right. Back in Virginia, is are things going <laughs> yes. all right? Or? It's kind of a rainy, kind of cloudy day today yeah. in Virginia. Now, now, you've been reporting on Washington politics and scandals for close to uh, 25 years? Right. Well, I came to Washington uh, for the Associated Press in 1977. Yeah. So, um, And I started with their, their special assignment investigative team in ni- at the end of 1980. So... So, uh, you can do the math. <laughs> <laughs> Given that, how would you rate uh, this at Bush administration's uh, scandal rate with others? Well, it's been pretty extraordinary. Uh-huh. I mean, not just the numbers, uh, but really the, it's more qualitative than quantitative. Uh, the scandals now re- relate to um, some serious consequences for the, for the United States and certainly for our armed, for- our armed forces. Um, uh, much, of the, much of the issue now is whether or not the country was systematically misled into a war that's claimed 2,100 American lives. So uh, this is not like dealing with some of the scandals you might have seen in the Clinton years, which revolved around uh, President Clinton's um, uh, sex life or some of these uh, rather petty corruption issues. Um, This now is a very big deal. Uh, If you go back, of course, to the 1980s, you had issues like Iran-Contra, which were uh, very important, sort of laying the groundwork for where we are today, but also dealt with uh, essentially whether the executive could have almost unfettered power over the uh, foreign policy of the country and could operate in secret. Uh, the core of Iran-Contra was to take was the taking of foreign policy underground and financing it uh, through surreptitious means, um, with cutting out Congress and cutting out the American people. So that's, I think, th- those are important scandals, but uh, certainly today with uh, the number of lives at stake, uh, both on the American and Iraqi side of things in, in Iraq, uh, the scandals have taken on a, a whole different uh, color. They real the, in the, the scope of them is really is really breathtaking. Uh, if in fact, I, I I like to qualify all of these by saying if in fact it's true that the uh, administration knowingly took us to war with what with a an agenda already in place before anything actually happened, and then. And then doctored the the intelligence to take us to war. What that is, it's got to be. It's got to rate as one of the most significant abuses of power in the history of the country. Well, right. I mean, I think some of the the patterns um, uh, go back to earlier times. And mm-hmm. in secrecy and privilege, I try to take it back to around the Watergate period in the mid seventies and the 
then, of course, the Vietnam uh, situation, the defeat in Vietnam, and the way um, the conservative side of American politics responded. And some of that was quite uh, ingenious and, and aggressive. The, a lot of money was put in to try to, um, to build up uh, what was known as a counter-establishment at the time, you know, building up conservative institutions, publications, pressure groups, and so forth. And, and then when we got to the 19, early 1980s, the merger of that with the uh, Reagan administration, which was very keen on, on public relations, very effective with public relations, uh, led to this idea that you could do what they call perception management. And perception management was a concept that then was considered kind of a classified term, even now it's sort of bandied about quite freely. But the idea was that if you could manage how the American people perceived events abroad, you could therefore control how Americans reacted to those events. And much of that, which we saw in the 1980s, was how do you exaggerate threats and frighten the American people. There was, remember the Sandinistas in Nicaragua, this rather pathetic government, uh, third world country, was supposedly threatening Texas. You know, and, they were, yeah. and, and so some of that now sounds kind of almost goofy, but it was very effectively used at the time. Um, and and we saw, we've, we've seen some of the same people who were involved in doing this then return with the, the second Bush administration um, and to do the same thing with Iraq, exaggerating the threats. So I think the, the case of whether or not uh, they knew all the intelligence was false is, is I think, a, it's a fair question, but it's also, uh, uh, it was more a case of they wanted to use what information they could, even, you know, cherry-picking it, exaggerating it, to get the result they wanted, which was to uh, arrange essentially a, a consensus, at least enough of a consensus among the American people, to uh, to push ahead the war, which they wanted. We know they wanted from the very beginning of of at least the Bush administration and, and going back even to the 1990s, the idea of ousting Saddam Hussein. Right. Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, we're speaking with Robert Perry about his book Secrecy and Privilege. And did you have a question, Mike? I well, had... Go ahead. Well, I want to ask you something that's a little off point, but okay. because I want to get back to, to what we're talking about here. But is it true that after the Iran-Contra affair and when George I was president, mm-hmm. didn't he essentially legalize everything that had been the problem with the, first, with the Iran-Contra affair? Didn't he – a lot of his executive orders came out after the fact that sort of um, – institutionalize the things that they were able to get away with during the Iran-Contra affair? You... Well, I think, I think there were efforts to always protect what happened. Uh, Iran-Contra was really a series of cover-ups, um, starting with the cover-ups before we even knew the term Iran-Contra. It was that Oliver North was running, uh, help, helping to sort of organize and control the secret war going on in Central America. He also was the point man on uh, the secret uh, negotiations with the Iranians, which involved providing them then a, a terrorist state with um, with weapons uh, they were which they wanted for their war with Iraq and in which case we're actually supporting both sides Iran and Iraq right. uh, without the American people be, being allowed in on this on this information there it, it, the whole idea was to keep us away from the American people right so you had cover-ups and within cover-ups and when when Iran Contra finally broke in the fall of 1986 with one of North's planes gets shot down the Hassan Fuss flight in over Nicaragua and Details start spilling out, essentially corroborating the reporting that we had done at AP. And then the, uh, there's a disclosure in Beirut about the Iranian side of this. Uh, there's an effort to contain it. That doesn't work. But what happens is that the Reagan-Bush administration just sort of backs up and begins you know, new cover-ups. And, and it takes a long time uh, 
to challenge and ultimately break through those cover-ups. The, um, uh, and Lawrence Walsh, who was the Republican um, uh, independent counsel who had been appointed to, uh, to investigate Iran-Contra, finally breaks through in 91, much, you know, well into this uh, whole investigation, and discovers there had been all these secrets that had been withheld. Um, and that leads ultimately to uh, the indictment of Casper Weinberger, the former defense secretary, and one of those indictments occurs right before the election in 92, right. which infuriates Senior Bush. He, he feels it's a, it was an effort to really torpedo his, his re-election hopes. Uh, so he then uh, he lashes out at Walsh, and among the way he lashed out was to, was to pardon six of the Iran-Contra defendants, which effectively killed Walsh's investigation. It was sort of the final blow of this long-running cover-up. So, but, so in, in large part, what Bush Sr. did was by containing the secrets and keeping them, keeping the American people from ever really knowing what that history was in any meaningful sense. Right. He uh, he does he, he he protects this concept that the executive branch can continue forward with um, with these kinds of uh, secretive policies. Right, and much of what you're discussing, you discussed in your book, Lost History. Well, it's in Lost History, and also I go back to it in uh, in Secrecy and Privilege. Both books uh, deal with. With how much of this was, uh, much of this history was kept under under wraps. I, I want to get back to where we were. I just, there, there, I guess, what I was trying to say, there were some executive orders that came down that essentially allowed the executive branch to get away with things that they couldn't have gotten away with during the the Iran Contra, or or it was illegal to do it during the Iran Contra affair. But wasn't the real one of the real reasons for Iran Contra was the overthrow of the Iranian government? That we were in fact looking for a for a Iranian general who was willing to go out and essentially seize uh, control in a military coup. Isn't that what we were really trying to get at? Well, I think the U.S. was certainly looking for possible uh, openings in, in Iran the, uh, in terms of seeing if there were uh, ways one could s- slip in with some payments and the various means that intelligence services use to, yeah. to, uh, to get people to join their side. Yeah. So I think there was that kind of element. There was also, of course, the element of of uh, having this, these, you know, both Iran and Iraq fighting each other and extending that war yeah. and keeping it somewhat in balance, uh, and there was the idea of the of the hostages that had been taken in uh, in Lebanon that 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 uh, Ronald Reagan wanted to see if there were ways to uh, uh, get some of them uh, released. And there's and there's been been the and the biggest question I think was always whether these relationships went back to 1980 uh, and into the that election. We now have a lot of evidence uh, which I. Compile in secrecy and privilege too, showing that there there were um, there were ties between the Republican campaign in 1980 and the Iranians uh, in an effort then to sort of see what uh, could be done. They were also at that point trying to see what Jimmy Carter was up to because there was concern that he was trying to pull off a last minute release of American hostages in Iran and thereby win the election in uh, in 1980. So. There were there were a lot of factors at play. Uh, I don't think there's any one factor that uh, one could, you could say is the only thing they were concerned about uh, when they were trying to deal with Iran. Yeah, there's just so this this is um, this is a fascinating story. We could go on and on, but I want to move I want to move forward well, I, a little. I'd bit. I'd like to just ask why you think that we haven't had a more skeptical press during all of this, uh, given what we. We went through with uh, Vietnam and Watergate. Uh, it seems like the uh, the media has has shrunken back from a challenge. Well, I think that's right. I think the um, you know part of the uh, response coming I mean, if you go back to the 1970s, and I, I deal with this also in secrecy and privilege, is the um, is that the press became part of the target. the The effort was by the conservatives who saw who saw a real 
real threat from the news media uh, after the reporting on Watergate, the reporting on uh, abuses at CIA, the, re- the more skeptical Pentagon Papers reporting that occurred on, on Vietnam, that the idea was to put the press back in its hole. And, and, and so there were a part of the effort of building up this counter-establishment of the, what, what Hillary Clinton once called the vast right-wing conspiracy was to uh, build uh, attack groups, finance attack groups like Accuracy and Media, some of Brent Bazell's operations, that would go after journalists and, and, and essentially try to intimidate them and cost them their jobs if they, if they were too aggressive in pursuing some of these stories. And over time, uh, this was effective, and, uh, and the press began to back away from, from, uh, from doing uh, the kind of hard-hitting reporting we got used to perhaps in the mid-'70s. Uh, and, of course, the Reagan administration was quite aggressive in going after reporters. Um, people like um, uh, Ray Bonner, who was with the New York Times covering Central America, was, was aggressively attacked for what turned out to be accurate reporting, but uh, at the time it wasn't clear, and, his, and he lost his, his job in Central America at the New York Times partly because of it. So you had, you had examples of people being of losing their careers, uh, and so journalists began, like most people, to be more cautious about how they approach these things. And, uh, and then we end up in the 90s dealing with a lot of the more superficial stories like O.J. Simpson and, and Bill Clinton's sex life, leading to the failure, really, of the press to, to be skeptical about the case for war with Iraq in the early, 90, in the early 2000s. So you had, you had a, basically a pattern of, of wearing down the press corps, getting it away from being aggressive and skeptical to being more of a, of, of a, of a of a press corps that could be handled. And I think as I did a piece in Consortium News just a few days ago about you know, Bob Woodward being perhaps mm-hmm. the, the epitome of this, the guy who was the, one of the dogged reporters on Watergate, who has now been shown to be involved in helping the, the Bush administration essentially maintain one of their cover-ups relating to the uh, outing of Valerie Plain. Yeah, I was, that's, that's what I was going to ask you about here. Is he really has he come to embody the, uh, that whole arc, if you will, of, of the press, is that here he is apparently a really uh, beholden to the administration in many ways. Um, and uh, by the way, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Robert Perry. He's the author of Secrecy and Privilege, uh, The Rise of the Bush Dynasty from Watergate to Iraq. And also, uh, I just want to mention your website, too, at consortiumnews.com, right. uh, where you can read all these great stories. And it, it, in fact, you've taken the place of the the press the one that uh, that went ran away and hid uh, I've, I've got to thank you for not running away and hiding it, yeah. it's uh, you've, you've done a wonderful job at consortium news and well thanks we've been doing it for 10 years now it seems like a long time um <laughs> but it, and it does maybe it is a long time but the uh, <laughs> but the whole but the main point of consortium news was to try to collect find a home for this sort of important journalism and, and history recent history that you know, I felt that uh, that the American people were being denied their this their own central birthright of understanding how their government functioned and how we got to some of the uh, the points we've reached. Um, and I think unless you understand uh, the process that led to this and some of the and the factual basis for it, it's very hard to make sense of it. So that yeah. was the point of Consortium News, and we've been doing it for ten years now. Yeah, I you uh, there's just a it, I was. Pulling, I pulled some stories off from the front page uh, just uh, yesterday, and it's it's remarkable. It's sort of the scope. Obviously, um, you didn't write all of these, but you certainly have uh, pulled a lot of things together. I want to also point out to our listeners that you were good friends with Gary Webb, 
uh, and Gary Webb was the discredited. I hate to use that term, but that was in the I guess in the mainstream press. I think that's probably how they feel. Uh, reporter from the San Jose Mercury News, who was really doing some terrific work in the initial stages of uh, of the Iran Contra, the sort of the cocaine connection and all of that, who was essentially really talking about a, a reporter who was essentially driven off the story and driven um, essentially out of his own profession. I think that's a good. He's a good example of that. And driven to suicide. And driven again, yeah. and ultimately to suicide. The tragedy of that. Right, he committed suicide on December 10th of last year uh, after he was he could not find work in his profession yeah. and he uh, his family his marriage broke up he was finally being he was being evicted from some rental property he was living in and um, and I guess he just saw no no end to this so he killed himself yeah but you you and him you and uh, Gary Webb did an awful lot of terrific work um, on that and uh, once again. Uh, well, let's let's kind of step back into the to the uh, this idea of where we are today. Uh, well, you know, I just want to before you know, time flies, and I, I know, do want to know, ask: know. Uh, What do you think the chances are for the impeachment of George Bush? Is there is there hope in two thousand and six to to get a uh, a Congress together that would consider such a an item? Well, I've always treated that like uh, some people say it's impossible, and and people shouldn't even talk about it. But I think it's really up to the American people. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always thought that uh, that we that the, it's not the job of the press to to tell the American people what is or isn't possible. It's certainly it's a constitutional provision. It's it's something that uh, uh, the nation can turn to in times of uh, of crisis or in times when a when a president has performed has performed badly. Um, uh, obviously, what a high crime misdemeanor can be is pretty much uh, amorphous. But certainly, if the American people judge that uh, they've been misled into a war, and all the expense and blood that's been shed for something that they were they were sold uh, a bill of goods that turned out not to be what you know what they thought, um, certainly they have a right to uh, to consider putting in a, a Congress that would demand accountability. And if that accountability includes impeachment, I think that's certainly uh, within the uh, the right of the American people to do so. The, um, but but whether it's you know how how possible certainly it's it's hard to say I think the uh, uh, the Bush administration has a lot of residual power it has a lot of supporters it has uh, a very large conservative news media out there which uh, which 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 fights for its interests so it's it's maybe difficult to envision how it would all play out but certainly if the American people were to say listen we've had enough of this and there's no end in sight for this war, and we want uh, some new leadership. They could certainly, they could impeach Cheney, they could impeach Bush, they could, um, they could arrange for new leadership that way. Yeah, I, I want to. That, that's a good point. I want to uh, ask you if you. I, I've 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 talked about this these many scandals that are are popping up around the administration, akin to one of those old. Uh, from a few years ago, those computer graphic uh, pictures, where the longer you stare at it, the picture in the background becomes clearer. You know, you remember those that you looked at them long enough, and they you could see something. Right. Cheney's face is the is the face <laughs> that I see when when I stare at all of these uh, many of these scandals. Do you think that there is a link there that Cheney? I mean, we're going, I mean, we can talk about the executives who lied before Congress about whether they met with the vice president, the the doctored intelligence. Libby, the whole thing. There's so many different scandals, but very few in the press have really tried to make much of that in terms of Cheney. 
What is your take on that? Well, in terms of which part? Well, of- just trying to draw the circle, cl- tighten the circle around Cheney as being the source of much of of many of these scandals. Well, I mean, Cheney is an interesting character. I've I've known him really since I covered Congress back when he was in Congress, and hmm. I was I was I was the AP pool reporter in Grenada when uh, he was down there doing some fact finding trips. So we've spent some time together. He's a very tough man. He's uh, uh, very determined. I think most people were a little deceived by him because they saw him more as a as a realist, a tough pragmatist type, not as an ideologue. And it it does seem that he has a, a more ideological component, more of a hardline right wing ideological component than people had thought. And I must say that I I thought, um, but I always knew him to be a very very tough player in politics. And he's so he I think he's he's a person who also feels he uh, knows what's best or thinks he knows what's best, and is going to go ahead and do it. Um, and I think uh, President Bush not being as experienced in, in uh, world affairs or in even national politics um, has ceded a lot of power to Cheney. And, and Cheney became uh, very much an ally of the neoconservatives um, and sort of adopting their point of view. So I think much of what we've seen has, uh, you know, has Cheney's fingerprints all over it. And certainly his recent attacks on critics... Um, uh, of the uh, of the Iraq War and and people who claim who are arguing that Bush did deceive uh, shows that he's not willing to back down as, as as President Bush is not willing to back down. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is we've got we have the Scooter Libby affair, the the inability of Congress to secure the documents on his meeting with the uh, the oil interests. Uh, a lot of things are brewing sort of around him. Do you think that any of this was, is going to stick? Is he going to be harmed or inve- eventually investigated for for a lot of the uh, the uh, these issues? Do you think that it will ever come to Well, that? I think it certainly hurt him with the American people. The poll yeah. numbers are, are show that he's not very well regarded okay. at this point. Uh, whether he gets investigated in a serious way, a lot of that depends on what happens in the in 2006 2000. election. And some of, it, some of it depends on what uh, what Patrick Fitzgerald, the uh, the 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 special prosecutor on the the outing of Valerie Plame uh, does. If if Fitzgerald pushes ahead uh, aggressively with this investigation, he might well find that that they're one of the principles. And I've I've written this on Consortium News that one of the principles, or maybe both, that is Cheney and or Bush, were probably involved in 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 having uh, Rove and and Libby and other subordinates go ahead and uh, and go after Joe Wilson, the, the Valerie Plame's husband, who had become a, a, a war critic. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 likely that if you if you really were able to break through, you would find someone telling these guys to go ahead. That's been the history. I mean, we we go back to to Nixon uh, and Watergate. Much of what happened there was maybe whether Nixon actually ordered the break-in is always a point of debate. But he certainly was pushing these guys to to investigate the to, to break-ins to find out what they can about Democrats and their enemy and his enemies. Uh, we saw it again during um, uh, during some of the Iran Contra period, when when Reagan was pushing his subordinates to do more to help the Contras. We saw it uh, later on with Bush Senior in the so-called Passport Gate affair, which I wrote about just recently at Consortium News Two, where he was pushing his subordinates to um, uh, to find out more about Clinton's time as a student at Oxford, yeah. which led to the searching the apparent legal searching of his passport file. So you have you have usually do have a principal pushing. Maybe they don't specifically order the act, but you know it often goes back to the guy in charge. Yeah. 
Well, well, well okay. Well, we're, we're running a little bit short on time here. Um, what is the what is in your mind the most damaging potential uh, damaging news in, inquiry? I should say into this administration at this point. What's the one that you think is the most telling and the is one? It, that, is it uh, is it flame or is it is it Abram Hoff? Is it what do you? I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah. I, uh, we, but uh, no, I think the um, I, I think really how we got into the war and and the continuous effort to mislead the American people on the war in Iraq yeah. has to be has to be the most preeminent issue because you do have American soldiers dying in increasing numbers now. You have uh, four or five a day uh, um, showing up on on those lists. Um, so I think at that point you have to not only look at whether there was deception leading the country in, but what we've looked at at Summit Consortium News is the idea of what's happened since then. There is still a lot of misleading information that's being provided by this administration about how the war, uh, uh, how the war is proceeding. Uh, in part, there's been this effort to conflate the, uh, the, the, the terrorist element, which is really a fairly small part of the Iraqi violence. Most, most of the military guys say 5 to 10 percent of the fighters are these foreign jihadists coming in. The vast majority of ninety some percent or more are are come from Iraq and are just upset about what's happened. Many of them are Sunnis who feel they've been essentially disenfranchised in their own country. So, so the idea of, of trying to make it all seem like one uh, fight against terrorism when there are really two components, mm-hmm. the, pr- the predominant component being you know essentially a civil war element, right. uh, has has led to um, I think a confusion among the American people. So the so the distortions have not stopped. I think it's important to understand that not only is this a matter of historical record, it's also a matter of what's happened today and what's happening tomorrow. Um, and I think that that idea of getting the American people the straight story is going to be the key issue. Can we can we get the American people enough of the real information so they can take matters more into their own hands? Which it makes it all the more important for people to be reading Consortium News and yeah. and 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 reading your book Secrecy and Privilege: The Rise of the uh, Bush Dynasty from Watergate to Iraq, I think that that we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, uh, Robert Perry, thank you very much for being uh, on Weekly Signals and uh, continue your good work. Well, thanks an awful lot. I really appreciate it. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals. Weekly Signals.